Yeah, so I suggest you all look at the Late Late Show when you get a chance because Craig Ferguson is hilarious. He also hates Twilight. Uh, he's well, good he, company, then. Yeah, he's, uh, he's a man after my own heart. Yes, it's, uh, he talks about how he used to love vampires when they were scary and they were evil, and uh, now they're all vegetarians and stuff. Stalker. Yeah, he says. He says. He says that's not a vampire. That's your gay friend. Which one's worse, um, the um, Spider-Man vampires from the show we're going to be talking about, or Twilight vampires? I say Twilight because the Spider-Man vampires at least attempted to be as evil as the censors would allow, which which is not any evil at all. That's quasi evil. The the diet cola of evil. Just one calorie. Not evil enough. Yeah, that's really kind of the problem for the major problems with Spider-Man cartoon. It was made during the period when the cartoon senses that really had a higher distance. So they weren't allowed to get away with anything. Correction. Marvel chose to follow the censors. They could have ignored them. Oh, really? Really? Censorship, censorship is something that you, that you sort of, you know, submit yourself to. It, it's just like... Uh, you know, the same time around Spider-Man, you know, around the same time where episodes of Batman the Animated Series, when people were shot, they were bleeding, they were, you know, that sort of thing was happening around the same years. So it's not it's not like a, and the network censors, because back then, Batman aired on Fox. Warner Brothers wasn't quite its own network yet. Uh, actually, as long as we're on the subject, I hate to get off subject for a minute, but they're actually still doing that today, Marvel is. That's because they're owned by Disney, and Disney doesn't want anyone hurt. I know. But, like, that's the reason they have Hydra in World War II instead of the Nazis in the Avengers cartoon. They basically told the animators they could either have Nazis and not have guns or have guns and have Hydra instead. So they chose the gun. Well, they should have said, screw you, we'll do what we want. But they can't because they're owned by the mouse. Anyways, hello and welcome to Animation Aficionados Episode 3. I apologize for my uh, first episode being spelled wrong, but I'm not Italian. Uh, I'm Ben Carver, our host, and we have with us uh, TV's Mr. Neil. Excelsior! And uh, Jesse Stafer. That one. Alright, I apologize. That L is almost invisible. That's fine. Okay. Um, first of all, I just want to get off my chest exactly why I chose this, uh, chose this uh, medium in this format for my show. It's because I feel that the, the best way to do any sort of review show is to do it with more than one person, someone to always bounce your ideas off of. And a lot of the greats in reviewing always have a sidekick or a panel or just someone to call in. It's, it's just, it's just part of the whole uh, format that I love. And it, that way it always keeps it fresh. That way I always have someone to bounce off my ideas with. And that's why I can, might be talking to one, some, Someone that might agree with me one week and disagree with me the next week. It's it's always fun. It's always inviting, and I hope to, that I can invite many more people who are fans of the show to come on next week. Just to email me on the uh, email in the description, and I will be happy to have you. Um, we are going to be, of course, talking about the uh, Fox Spider-Man series, also known as Spider-Man: The Animated Series, also known as. That is one of the pitfalls of the series, the uh, previously on Spider-Man sections. And uh, to get started, we will, of course, uh, address again what changes Marvel made as a creative animation between this series and the series we covered last time, X-Men. 
first of all, in this series, we actually had several episodes done by TMS. Yeah, it started out it started out pretty good. Uh, there were a lot of early TMS episodes that seemed to get progressed towards the series went on. Of course, it's even the first the first episode being done by TMS really helped raise you know the expectations of the fans, even though it was apparent early on the just mind-numbingly stupid amount of censorship they had. You mean like the fact that they couldn't punch death? Or kill. Or use real guns. Or punch. Or kick. Or do anything that a superhero will do. The one thing I remember is whenever two superheroes fought on this show, they always did this one thing where they both grabbed each other on the shoulders and started pushing. Yeah, it's basically like what they did on the old Super Friends. I mean, they couldn't have, like, Bizarro or Superman punch someone, so they just picked them up and ran around. <laughs> I don't think it was quite at the level of Super Friends, although at times it just got mind-dumbingly stupid because you have this amazing animation in the early TMS episodes of uh, Spider-Man doing all these flips and stuff. And then, you know, right when he gets to the guy, he doesn't really do anything to him because, you know, at the later episodes when the animation started to suck, that didn't really help. That really didn't hurt because, you know, it was badly animated. (laughs) Although there were were weird uh, instances of of violence that were much worse than like punching and kicking. There were episodes where the Punisher was like, shooting rockets at people, and I saw one episode where he threw someone literally like through a tile floor. It was like the first few minutes of the episode. Like that would have like crushed the guy's spine. <laughs> but of course, he gets up every time. It it's just one of those things where. It's it's a show that really didn't have its own identity, even though it tried really hard to. And uh, you know, other than the uh, mean guitar solo at the intro, it really didn't have much else going for it. It was just a show that tried to be something it was not, or something it wasn't quite capable of being yet. Uh, while we're on the subject of you know opening themes, another something that always I always wondered about during the very end of it, when instead of saying Spider-Man, the singular guy was saying with that weird thing would be like. Spider War, Spider War. Spider, Spider Blood. Yes, because that because what that was is trying to be like a a, a rock a remake of the old uh, Spider Man cartoons theme. You know, Spider Man, Spider Man does whatever. Yeah, I, I got that. Because, but I always thought that it was like referring to the very last arc of the series, where all the, like, they got all the Spider Mans from different worlds together to fight the um, Spider Carnage. So I always thought like. That was basically their whole game plan from episode. I think you're giving them way too much credit on trying to come up with a with a with a uh, with any sort of arc because I don't think they thought that far ahead. And you know, like I said, it's um, this show had many faults. And another one of them is uh, animation recycling. A lot of the earlier episodes done by TMS. TMS does amazing animation, so of course they paid so much for the animation and it looks so great they decided to use it again and again. And again. And it looked really out of place because every time he fought the lizard, the lizard always whacked his tail on the same wall. <laughs> really hated that wall. Yes. And it was just, you know, the, the, the animation recycling just got really bad. It was uh, like when they first did the scorpion, they did an episode with the scorpion. They really emphasized that the scorpion could also do everything Spider-Man could. He could climb on walls. He was just as strong. He was just as fast. But... 
after that first episode with the scorpion, where they made the scorpion such a big threat, after that, the only thing he did was throw his tail around. Yep. He never he never climbed up another wall again. No, that's what we like to call villain decay. I mean, they couldn't really have him beyond, like, he like the insidious six. Not the sinister six, the insidious six. And have him be Spider-Man's ultimate superior. They had well, the big, the big thing with how he couldn't be his ultimate superior is he's supposed to be an idiot. That's the biggest thing. He... Scorpion is supposed to be a mindless idiot. That's the biggest thing. And, you know, it just got really bad. And I remember I remember several things like, you know, early on, first season, they decided to do the symbiote and Venom story. First season. Because back then, like most people in Marvel, they were in love with the Venom idea. I will say this. When they actually did get around to having um, Eddie Brock become Venom, for that first episode, it was actually, uh, he actually did do a pretty good, he actually did do a very good portrayal of Venom as, like, the Spider-Man ultimate celebrity stalker. I mean, they had him showing up at his house, uh, talking with the band, just, like, being all smug and here, like, go ahead, try something, buddy. But at the same time, I don't, I don't get it, because I don't get why Venom is so popular, because I think Venom is, like, the most retarded idea in the whole Spider-Man mythos, and the problem is everybody is in love with the original idea, with the mythos. And I think that is the biggest problem with it, because nobody really wants to challenge it or change it. Except for Sam Raimi, who did the best version of Venom ever. Well, I'm just saying, like, in that cartoon episode, um, Venom was like, um, the guy from, like, Cape Fear, except he was also a monster that eats brains and stuff, or something like that. So they probably couldn't let you eat brains on um, the cartoon. He'll steal their candy bars and eat the candy bars instead. Actually, um, it really got funny when they brought him back and had carnage as well, and they had like some stealing life force. Yes, instead of killing people, that was that was pretty bad. It was laughably bad. It was it was par for the course for Marvel, and it was par for the course for the Spider-Man series. It it didn't really have an identity of itself in the first season, and then when it went on. You know, the second season was when stuff really started sucking. I remember a couple of the second season episodes, the early episodes, were actually done by TMS. I remember, like, when they did the Green Goblin's Return was done by TMS. A huge jump in quality versus the episode prior to it and the episode after it. And uh, then they had the Blade show up. And inter- interestingly enough, a lot of stuff they did with Blade in the Spider-Man cartoon later crossed over into the Blade movies and then back in the comics proper. That's right. They introduced this or in the, the Spider-Man cartoon. Yeah, I was going to ask if they did the movie first or if they did the uh, cartoon with Blade. They did the cartoon with Blade first. They also introduced the fact that Blade as a daywalker was, was, had all the strengths of a vampire. Before in the comics, all Blade was was immune to vampire bites. So... So yes, it was kind of kind of unintentional, but interesting. Other things that the series did, it's, I, I'll give the series some credit. There was one sequence in the Symbiote storyline that was really cool that I felt should have crossed over into some other medium proper. It was the sequence when Peter Parker is dreaming when the Symbiote crawls, crawls over him. Peter Parker has this elaborate dream where the two costumes are fighting each other. Yeah, that was pretty and that should have crossed over into another medium proper because it was the only interesting new idea in the whole symbiote, uh, you know, symbiote uh, snafu that should have ever been uh, adapted. 
If I may say one other thing about the series, it had some excellent voice acting. I mean, they got some real giants for this one. They got Mark Hamill. They got Ed Asner. Well, they had Ed Asner as Jameson, and they had they had Mark Hamill as Hobgoblin, which were interesting choices. But at the same time, I felt that you know these were not great choices. Well, except for Ed Asner as a Jameson, but 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 like. Uh, Hobgoblin, Mark Hamill's Hobgoblin, really didn't have much power. I felt, I felt it felt it felt very generic. It wasn't even very Jokerish. He was trying to do something that wasn't quite Joker, but it it wasn't working for me. It was some somewhere in between, somewhere sort sort of beige. And it, it it you got a point there. I mean, the Hobgoblin, he's a mercenary villain. Mark Hamill's really at his best when he's doing like a stone cold crazy bastard. I know, and it it's. But I got to hand them, whoever they got to do, the Green Goblin did a pretty creepy voice. That was actually the basis of what, uh, what's his name did for the live action movie. William Defoe. Yeah, William Defoe used that as a basis for his, uh, Green Goblin voice. What's the guy who did Barry Mort? I, you know, I was gonna look up his name before we did this, but I completely forgot. I, forget. I know he's really famous and he's dead now. He's also the guy who did Megabyte. Isn't he the guy who did Barry Mordo too? I don't think so. All I remember about Baron Mordo was Spider-Man was able to knock him down with a flying kick. <laughs> Which isn't right, by the way, for people who read the comics would say, Baron Mordo, the Lord of Darkness, knocked down by a flying kick from Spider-Man? Are you kidding? And another one was Mary Jane versus Dormammu. Yes. Oh, I got one better. Uh, there was an episode on the Secret Wars, where the very first episode, where Spider-Man is picking his, his allies to fight against all those supervillains. He picked Storm... On the basis that she would have the power to match the Beyonder. Oh, I think Beyonder was the one that had that guy. That guy did the voice for. Him, that I think. But it was just amazing because because he watched the Beyonder pretty much manipulate time and space and teleportation, and decided that the person who could control clouds could easily fight him. It was it was special. Not as special as later on in the Secret War when when uh, I believe Reed Richards, Tony Stark. We're able to rework the teleporter to to beam over one more hero from Earth. They didn't pick Doctor Strange. They didn't pick Thor. Who did they pick? Black Cat. Actually, that brings me to another thing. They did something really weird with a Black Cat in this. Yeah, they gave her a Super Saiyan transformation. For those of you who haven't seen the series, you probably have. Basically, in this version, um. She, she has she has the super super soldier serum in her veins. Yeah, she was a her father was a master thief with a photographic memory. He saw the super soldier serum because he was tricked into spying on it by Nazis. Yes. And so years later, the kingpin kidnapped her, and then the um his new henchman after Alistair Smythe left um the the, the Lancaster or something like that. Landon, Doctor Landon. Yeah. Yes. Basically a two-faced ripoff. Yes, where he was half mutant, half human. He made and improved on the Super Soldier Serum so he could turn it on and off at will. And turn to Super Saiyan, where her, where she grew two extra inches, got like an extra two cups on her chest, and had white hair. Yeah. And the hair came down to her like her, her bites. Yes. And the thing, and the biggest shame of that was those episodes were not animated by TMS. So it looked like ass. It was just it was just a really weird feeling with this series and you know, like I said, this was going around the same time as Batman was going on, and the censorship just really 
was weird for me because I remember another episode where uh, some villain straps Spider-Man to a table and shooting a laser at him. Spider-Man's all worried until it cuts only his costume. He's like, oh yeah, this laser only does not hurt organic material. <laughs> you think the villains would have realized which villain did this anyway? I think it was Dr. Octopus. I don't remember for sure, but I think it was Dr. Octopus. What do you think Dr. Octopus was all about? He's a scientist. <laughs> He has super intelligence. Well, not super intelligence, but he's pretty dang smart. Not in this show, no. He's got to be smart. He's got a German accent. In a bowl cut. That's what those two things sort of offset themselves. <laughs> a big wraparound sunglasses. From the 80s. <laughs> yeah. Well, this show had, like, a lot of archaic science. So it, it, it was just, like, about, I don't know, maybe 20, 30 years... Well, I remember that instead of instead of a radioactive spider, it was a neogenically recombinated spider. And they, all these other villains were also neogenically recombinated instead of... Yeah, that was the buzzword of this series, neogenic. No, neogenic recombination. Yeah. Everything was neogenic recombination. Well, that's because they have this gun called a neogenic recombinator. It's like huge-ass Liefeld-esque cannon thing that looked like a cybernetic toothpick that re that neogenically recombinates at will yeah and basically whenever they needed anything mutated they'd have the bad guy steal his gun and shoot someone with it like in one episode the lizard stole it and used it to mutate a bunch of other lizards or something like that I actually that was his blood in the drains oh that's right yeah. No, you're thinking of you're thinking of the one where Morbius got uh, bit by a neogenically recombinated bat and became uh, Morbius, the living vampire, with suckers on his hands. Oh hand. yeah, and then they uh, then the vampire queen stole it and transformed it into a vampire gun. Yes, with with because as everyone knows, vampires are naturally born geneticists. It wasn't like she even shot it with a like a bat attached to the front. She just shot it and they made vampires. There, there was like a dialogue to cipher or something like a dialogue to vampire or something. Oh, that actually brings us to Moby. Let's talk about Morbius for a second. Yes, he has suckers on his hands. He doesn't drink blood. He he uh, absorbs plasma through the suckers on his hand. I must have plasma. 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 Yeah, this show was just terrible. It, they, they they really didn't know what they were doing, and I sort of feel bad for them. Ragging on and it. And I was actually, I was actually thinking about this when I was at work today, and I was thinking about the chameleon. Yeah, he had this device on his belt buckle that they never explained how it worked. It just worked or something. I think it was like holograms or something. Like in the original comics, he was a guy who like was really good with makeup and stuff, and he just did regular makeup and like masks and stuff to change his shape. But in this one, he had this like magic belt that could transform. And it was like the tackiest looking thing. It like had had a mirror for the belt buckle. It looked like something a cowboy would wear. Yeah. And every, no matter what he changed into, he always had the same belt. And for some reason, Nick Fury, the director of S.H.I.E.L.D., can never catch this guy. Hey, Nick, here's a hint. <laughs> Get the guy with the belt! Look for the belt! This isn't hard! Well, they they really didn't know what they were doing. Like, they had an episode where, uh... Like, they, they, they said Kingpin was not a superhuman, he just had a whole lot of muscle. But in one episode, he actually picked up a robot the size of a sentinel and threw it on its back. That was actually the episode where Electro showed up. And yeah, and in this one, the Electro's, I believe he was Red Skull's son. Yes, he was Red Skull's son. Which probably put a 
him in his 50s because Red Skull is from World War II. This is also the episode where they introduced such great heroes as the Wizard, <laughs> who got his powers from being from Monglo- Mongoose blood. Well, actually, in this version, all the other superheroes except for Captain America got, like, watered-down versions of the super soldier serum that wore off over time. Yes. Yes, that's true. Instead of being frozen in a block of ice, Captain America and the Red Skull were locked in this, like, tiny dimensional warp Where they were eternally pushing on each other's shoulder- shoulders. Yes. That actually brings up another thing. But they, they tried to do, like, a take on the Gwen Stacy death. But instead of Gwen Stacy, it was very... And she fell into another dimension. Very Dragon Ball Z-esque, if you ask me. Yeah, because for some reason, the Green Goblin had this, like, dimension rift date thing. Yes, and But let's examine that. Mary Jane fell off the bridge, and then she and then she uh, wound up in another dimension. I want, to think, yeah. I want you to think about that. That's, that is so Dragon Ball Z that... Yeah, come on. You gotta give me that one. That's... Yeah, well, the machine fell down and it fired a beam at the same time, and she fell into the beam, and then Green Goblin got knocked into the beam too. And he got stuck in the he got stuck in the other dimension because he only talked to his son through reflections, just like the movie. Except the movie did it well because that because that just means Harry Osborn's going freaking insane instead of inter- interdimensional communications through reflective surfaces, which. I think breaks a couple of laws of third with the bad dynamics while we're at it. You gotta wonder how the writers of this did the science class in high school. Well, it's if you look at it, it's kind of like it's kind of like a lot of other things. It's they probably they probably well, I'll tell you one thing: they did better than the people who wrote the Iron Man cartoon. These these are the Marvel writers. This goes back to like Sunbow stuff. They would. Well, the, the Transformers were full of stuff like this. Well, you know, there's comic book size, and then there's not know what the hell you're talking about. <laughs> well, that's what I was talking about earlier. Like, like uh, they have this they have this idea of science where you get hit by a ray or like get injected with something, and now you have a. Well, it's there's a difference between science and science, as as the people on the Fallout Wiki would explain. And the Fallout Wiki, you know, if you've ever played the Fallout games. There is uh, they have science instead of science where 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 radiation exposure will turn you into a ghoul instead of kill you. Yeah, it's all very axe cop. Like an axe cop, if you get the blood of some other animal or thing on you, you turn into that thing. So it's and axe cop is written by a five year old basically, <laughs> literally actually. It's written by a five year old and written by his big brother. And so basically, and that's the biggest problem with Spider Man. It it. It, it did different things than the comics, which puts it above X-Men. It had TMS animating it sometimes, which puts it above X-Men. But the censorship was worse than X-Men. The uh, the plot lines were handled in very stupid ways. A lot of the incidental writing was terrible. So overall, it was a series that was about the same level as X-Men. I won't say worse, but it was, definitely wasn't better. And the sad thing is, both at the time, both Spider-Man and X-Men were pretty much Marvel's flagship cartoons at the time. They were the most popular. They sure as heck had the most toys. I remember seeing all sorts of Spider-Man and X-Men toys and things. I mean, near the end of it, they were approaching um, Ninja Turtle level of toys. I don't ever remember seeing a Spider-Man toy. 
Oh, maybe we were just looking at different toys. I remember seeing a whole mess of X-Men toys. When the cartoon was out, they made toys for, like, guys that never even came close to the show. Well, to be fair, they had one, they, they had a lot of the characters show up in only one episode and then never show up again. They did that a lot in X-Men. Like, um, Spider-Man was guilty of, too. Well, Spider-Man, I remember when Spider-Man had the X-Men show up, and it was all the same voice actors from the X-Men that everyone made a big deal about. Oh my god, Spider-Man's showing up, and all the the X-Men are going to show up on Spider-Man, and they really didn't do much with it. It sort of felt weird. Sort of bland and passe, and because... It was basically... It was basically a vehicle to introduce um, Dr. Landon as the Kingpin's new engineer. Yeah, and I remember it because uh, because Spider-Man went to them for help because he was starting to turn into the Man-Spider. And they're like, we're not going to help you. We embrace mutations. And Spider-Man's like, really? Yeah. And, yeah. But, to be fair, none of them are turning into giant six stars of killing machines. <laughs> yeah, I just... Uh, maybe Wolverine, but that's basically just a Tuesday for him. Yeah, it it was just kind of, and yeah, the, another thing that killed the series for me was the recaps. Every episode, every episode after a certain point in season one, had this previous thing on Spider-Man segment, and it was like a snowball effect. Every episode after that, the snowball got a little bit bigger, a little bit bigger, a little bit bigger. By the time they were at Secret War, I actually counted a, a previous thing on Spider-Man segment lasted about six minutes. I remember something else they did in the um, animated series that came over to the comics. Um, the Vulture's juice stealing power. Which was stupid. Basically what happened was um, the Vulture stole the, bought this like magical thing that tablet. It wasn't the Vulture, it was it was the other guy, the uh, the old guy. Silverman. Yeah. He, him, he had it first, but it turned him into a baby. Yes. And so the Vulture bought it from Hammerhead. And use it to steal Spider-Man's youth, and got the got the uh, got the uh, spider. Uh, the neogenics thing. Yeah, the ne- and he started turning into the Manspire, and that's how they resolved the whole Manspire thing. Spider-Man gave it away like an STD. And of course, the next time uh, Vulture appears, he doesn't have it anymore. Yeah, instead he keeps aging from young to old and backing that. Instead of instead of addressing the fact that he has some of Spider-Man's junk DNA instead in him, instead it's sort of like, sort of like, hey, we don't want to do that anymore. Just like they, oh, come on walls, we don't want to do that anymore. Oh, and on top of that, he's chained up in the Scorpion's basement, in Scorpion's girlfriend's basement. And, and yeah, and they, and they started talking to him like, oh, don't pay attention to him, he's just always grumpy. <laughs> yeah, the Scorpion has a girlfriend. Well, honestly, after the first episode, the Scorpion's worst problem is it appears he has a tail. Except it looks like a mechanical tail because it's ripped off several times, so I don't know what the fuck his problem is. And you know, while we're on the subject, that seemed to be kind of a recurring theme in this show. When they want to make a bad guy more sympathetic, they give him a girlfriend. Like when um, Venom appeared again, they had... Well, with Venom, it was it was actually his therapist. Yeah. Which makes me wonder... He, Really, lady? The best you can do on the dating scene is your patience? Because I'm pretty sure the violation is some sort of ethics code. Well, they got, they were sucked into another dimension. They, you know, just Dragon Ball Z-ish, so what? Yeah. <laughs> All right. And the same thing with uh, the green, with Harry Osborn, the green goblin. Yeah. He was going to marry Mary Jane, and then this random girl came in and said, I love you. And he's going to see her instead. It's like, in, in you know, the same thing with the... Uh, with, uh, with you know, another character that they didn't really utilize well was a Debbie Whitman. Wasn't she 
wasn't he like wasn't he the one that was like Flash Thompson's girlfriend? Yeah, which really doesn't make sense because he's a bookworm. But again, then again, you know, in the comics, in the comics, she actually was Peter Parker's girlfriend for the longest time until he revealed he was Spider-Man to her, and then she decided that he was playing a trick on her, and that made her knock back into insanity again. And she doesn't, you know, she needs to move on with her life. Which was one of the worst uh, comic book storylines ever, but I digress. We are running out of time. I remember she was like um, originally like in the Morbius, but after um, turned into a vampire and left. And that's another thing with the Neil Jackson In One episode at the end of it, Morbius got blasted with the Recombinator, and he actually like, turned into a Mad Batch. And he flew away Yeah, and they recovered him and we're going to cure him. But I digress. We are running out of time. So uh, we covered a lot on Spider-Man and... Uh, you know, why it sucked and and what they did wrong. You know, the animation recycling, the uh, the bad writing, and, you know, the, the, the non-violence. And uh, next week we're going to cover, it's, we're going to cover both Fantastic Four and Iron Man. Because they both, they aired in the same little block. I may not make it to that one because I may be... If we're doing it on Friday, I'm going to be spending my um, Thanksgiving with my mom and her. No problem. We might actually do it the week after. But like I said, we're going to do that episode, and uh, I hope we'll see you all there. And until next time, say goodbye, Neil. Bye, Neil.